0: everybody, welcome to An American F1. I am back, I'm Vernon Klein. I'm here with your off-season bits of F1 Phil. You know, just trying to keep you getting through the off-season. Because, I gotta say, I I don't even know what are we on. Like, three weeks, almost a month now without Formula 1. And my Sundays, yeah, there's football. Yeah, there's the World Cup. And, oh man, to the people that are listening, if you're listening from England, I'm really sorry. Tough game, you know, France just... Looks undefeatable in that World Cup, Uh, and, you know, if you're from Portugal, I'm crushed for you guys. I mean, I can't believe that. Morocco. Hey, Morocco, though. Props to Morocco for making it into the World Cup, but, you know, the World Cup has kind of been satiating my Formula One absence, but uh, I gotta say, you know, you would think the F1 offseason really never surprises us, right? Like, even when we think that there's not gonna be much going on with the F1 offseason and... With everything that happened during this season that fell into Silly Season, you know, drivers going different places, team principals now going different places. We last left off with Matteo Bonotto leaving Ferrari and who's going to replace him. It's looking like it's going to be Fred Vassier from Alfa Romeo. And this week was no exception, you know, we were still filled with F1 news, and it just just doesn't go away. Probably one of the big things that we're going to start off with. First things first, if you were looking forward to watching the Chinese Grand Prix next year, that is off the table as China's, uh, I believe it's called their zero COVID policy, has basically eliminated the chance for China to host another Grand Prix. And that looks like a Grand Prix that is, you know, going to be dead. It's, it's not going to exist unless something changes drastically but with all the schedule changes that we've been seeing over the past couple years track additions things like that you just can't afford to keep canceling your Grand Prix and China is going to lose out on another one we haven't been there since 2019 and we're losing out on it again it looks like some tracks in the running are Istanbul which would be great I would love to see Istanbul back there portamal i am not a big portamal fan so i would really like to see the replacement for the chinese grand prix go to istanbul i think that is a great venue for a race we've had many of the good races at istanbul we had the rain race that one time i think we both had like kind of semi-wet conditions both times right of course the first one was a little more interesting because we had that whole tire situation tires were getting absolutely shredded but Nevertheless, yeah, China not having a Grand Prix yet again for the third year in a row. And you got to feel for it because it's a big market. You feel for someone like Zhou Guanyu too, who just wants to race at his home Grand Prix. One of the first Chinese drivers in F1 and actually the first Chinese driver in F1 full time. And he's not getting a chance to race at his home Grand Prix. And it's, it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad and, you know it does suck it it actually sucks and it's unfortunate but we're not going to have the chinese grand prix which means it'll be replaced by something else and just hopefully that the venue we decide to go to for formula 1 is a good one like maybe something like portimao or istanbul will be very interested following that to see where that venue actually ends up of course next year again we have an expanded schedule we're going to 24 race tracks Insane, 24. I I just, it still blows my mind when I say that. Just thinking about how the F1 calendar has radically expanded since in the last 10 years, you know? So 24 venues, 24 different tracks. It's gonna be interesting. It's a 24 race calendar, a lot of travel, very controversial, but looking forward to it, I think we'll have many good races. Other than that, the biggest news... Probably this week in Formula One was, and this shocked me, this was this morning. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was going to the bathroom, I I open up my Twitter feed and I'm looking through the news and I see Yost Capito, is it Yost Capito or Yost Capito? Either way, Yost Capito, I'm going to say Capito, alright? I'm going to say Capito. Uh, One of my favorite team principals too, Yost Capito from Williams, out, he's out, he's done. He's not going to be with Williams next year. And it, it kind of surprised me because I felt like Yoast was a strong team boss. And yes, you could say Williams had a terrible season this year. But, I mean, if you look at the bigger picture, right? And, yeah, they had a weak car, but Alex Albon got in the points. We had that Nick DeVries point appearance. I don't think Williams was... How should I say it as obviously that car was a piece of trash, like usually near the back of the field, but, and Alex Albon got a lot out of that car. And obviously Nick Latifi just was not up for it, but it just surprised me that I felt like Yost had a good attitude when it came to organizing that team. And really, I think he was in a position to elevate it. And I think, I guess based on last year, you would say Williams had higher expectations, and of course, we have those American investors, and Capital, who were probably expecting better results from their team. But I don't think... I was just shocked. I felt like Yost was in a good position with that team. I felt like even though the results weren't there for Williams this year, I feel like he was taking that team in the right direction. And me seeing this morning that he was gone completely shocked me. And along with, I believe, their technical director... And I guess that does go into relations with their with their performances this year, which I guess in some degree tells you where, which is a good sign, I would say, actually. It shows you where Doralton Capital is at, what they expect from this team. I think there is a virtue in a team of investors saying, no, we can do better, we can elevate this team more we need a change we need to be fighting for points we need to be higher in that field so in that regard I do understand the move I think it shows that Dorsten and Capital is taking Williams seriously they're not going to bury this team and I really hope they do take this team seriously because Williams is a historic name in Formula One one of the realistically Williams is one of the greatest teams to have ever existed in Formula 1. Granted, their results in the last 10 years or so have not been anything spectacular. I mean, I guess their most recent good season, yeah, you could say George Russell was on the podium, blah, 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 the points, but last season wasn't really a strong... I mean, it was one of their stronger seasons in recent years, but I think that season with Valtteri and Lance Stroll, that was one of their better seasons. Uh, Other than that, recently they, they haven't really done much. And it would be nice. I want to see Williams fighting for wins. And I thought, I thought Yos Capito was the guy to bring that back. And, you know, if he, he's out. And now the speculation is going to begin. So, who goes to Williams? There are options. Obviously, now I saw people on Twitter joking about this. But, I mean, he is a free agent name. And it would be quite interesting. Tio Benoto, He is a free agent, he's out from Williams. Would he go there, though? Like, that's what I wonder. Would he? And imagine, right? So we talked about last time how Matteo Bonotto is a strong engineer. He has a strong history with Ferrari and designing good cars and contributing greatly to that team's success. Would he be a useful asset at Williams? Obviously, he would. He would bring those talents to Williams. And for a struggling team, it is... An intriguing option. I don't think. Listen, Mattia. I know we've we've hammered this home again. Mattia has obviously gotten a lot of crap for the various mistakes Ferrari has made, and undoubtedly deservedly so. Right. So, Mattia did make missteps with Ferrari. I don't think Ferrari was. You know, again, you could argue that car should have been in greater contention this year. I don't know if they would have actually won the championship without those mistakes, but. Should have been a much closer battle with Max. But anyway, that's besides the point. Opening him up to a chance to go to Williams is an intriguing decision or an intriguing option out there for Williams. Other than that, I don't really know who's a big name that's available. I mean, I guess you could elevate one of the other, you know, there's technical directors and different things, uh, different people that are available across other teams. So, Williams has to see what their options are. apparently apparently, this Yost Capito firing or resigning or disagreement over him or releasing him was discussed as early as like summer. So he knew he was out of a job since the summer, and it's just kind of interesting that Williams made that decision and I'm again, I don't like in my mind, I don't think Yost was a bad team boss, a team principal, I think he was a guy who kind of said it like it was, he expected good results he he wanted to drive that team in the right direction and it's it's a shame to see him at least leave Williams now the question is will he leave the paddock and an interesting thing, obviously, if Fred Vasseur is going to go to Ferrari that means there will be a positioning opening up at Alfa Romeo and with the Audi connection, of course Jos Capito is a German there's that Audi connection there so maybe he's gonna go and slide over to that team as a team boss which could be another intriguing option for his career I I think again I think he would be a good team boss for one of those developing teams like an Alfa Romeo going to Audi and it's just interesting to see what will happen in that regard So yeah, Yost Capito out from Williams, definitely a shocker to me. I don't know if it was a shocker to you guys, but I was literally reading that this morning and I was like, wow, like did not expect it. Just completely took me off guard. I thought he was a team boss that was safe, but it goes to show you again, right? In the world of Formula One, nothing is safe. Nothing is guaranteed, not even contracts, things like that. So it goes to show you the (laughs) endless wheel that Formula One can be. And that, you know, you never know what's going to happen next. And that's what I love about the offseason. Just when you think, right? You're thinking, here's the F1 offseason. We're going to have a quiet week. It's not going to be a busy week, you know? Like, what's going to happen? We have the FIA prize-giving ceremony, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So we have the FIA prize-giving ceremony. You know, little news. You know, drivers doing their little things, their little PR appearances. Of course, we had Red Bull with their Milton Keynes. Little festival to celebrate there. When nothing really weird there. Daniel Ricardo showing up on a big screen to thank Red Bull and give them a little props. He's already settling into his PR gig there. It looks like. Oh, and actually, I saw. That reminds me. Speaking of Daniel Ricardo, last week I believe I talked about maybe seeing Daniel Ricardo in a one-off thing with uh, you know NASCAR or endurance racing. Blah 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 blah. Right, and. What was i gonna say oh and now there are reports that he's linked with some kind of tv gig possibly and i think it was floating around with us connections i just don't get why he keeps denying a nascar gig though like i thought that guy loved nascar i don't know why he's de- but maybe he just wants to be away from the cockpit for a little bit in competition sense maybe he just wants a little less pressure wants to live his life and i'm not gonna knock it uh speaking of which there was actually i don't know if you guys follow this there was IMSA testing so the 24 hours in Daytona was getting some of their testing going I forgot there was somebody well oh my god K-Mag K-Mag and his father Jan Magnussen Jan Jan Magnussen Magnussen Jan Magnussen had literally just raced in the Gulf 12 hours at Abu Dhabi and they finished P7 in the GTP3 and you know what's funny I know Jan Magnussen is really young. I think he was like 19 when Kevin Magnuson was born, but dude looks younger than some guys. He looks younger, almost the same age, if not younger than Kevin Magnuson himself. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that mind blew me there too. As I was watching, I'm like, dude, this guy is young. And I think we knew that already, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, when we're getting to, was there, was there something else I saw with Formula E. Who signed with Formula E? Someone signed with McLaren and Formula E. I know McLaren's got their whole Formula E team figured out, and I thought there was an interesting name up there um, with their Formula E team. And this is going to drive me nuts now because I was literally just looking at it the other day. And uh, oh, JQs. That was a big one. JQs. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, JQ's joining Formula E with, again, McLaren. Um, I think that's pretty interesting, JQ's when they rest, right? Like, so McLaren really just getting involved in all kinds of things now, like between Formula 1, Formula E, they got that little Extreme E series, going. so McLaren's just hitting all the cylinders right there. But, yeah, so this week was also the FIA prize-giving ceremony, right? So, you know, the FIA prize-giving ceremony usually it's kind of boring. I enjoy it. I didn't get to watch the whole thing this year. But sometimes there are things that happen during the ceremony. When the FIA and team bosses and all these people get together. And there was this awkward exchange between Christian Horner and Ben Suleiman Ben, ben Sulaym. And I don't know what it was. It just... You know, it's funny because I don't know if it's just Christian Horner being Christian Horner and but I it was really weird that the FIA president decided to like take a stance and talk about Japan and mistakes being made and the teams making the rules and it was just so weird that that came up and I don't know. I don't care. It was like, it almost made you feel like, it almost like, like, why did, maybe, I don't know what was going on, but it's like, Red Bull wants to show, and listen, I'm, I'm not, I don't think there's any big FIA conspiracy to hand Red Bull championships, blah, 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 blah. Like, I know there's that whole F1 iceberg theory, you know, and we could go on about that, but Red Bull tries to portray this image that they're doing everything by the book, and, and then you have this exchange which does not help that case. Like, what? It's so. it was so weird, it was off base, and I, I didn't get it. And me, as just a Formula One fan, I'm like, what is going on? It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I'm telling you, if you take a, you gotta go to YouTube. If you haven't seen it, you gotta go to YouTube and just type in, like, Horner Ben Suleiman. And you're going to see that exchange. And it was just such an awkward, awkward exchange that I was like, what is going on with this? And I'm telling you, last year was not that awkward. But I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. It was really weird. One of the weirdest things I've seen in a, a, a long time. And, you know, there's been a lot of weird things going on. But that, that was one of the weirder things. That I've seen, and uh, yeah, that's that's that was uh, that was that. <laughs> so and definitely an interesting exchange between the two, and, and not quite sure what was going on there. But yeah, speaking of Red Bull and conspiracies, I would be remiss if I was making a podcast and didn't mention that. Of course, this year is the one-year anniversary of Abu Dhabi 2021, and I don't know why I was thinking about it. And again, like, I was just thinking back to Abu Dhabi, and I don't want to be stuck in the past. I think we as a sport need to move forward. We need to learn from Abu Dhabi. We don't want to make those mistakes. And I was just reflecting on the fallout from that and how it really was one of the stranger moments in the sport, right? And listen, you could say what you want. Formula One, yeah, has had many strange moments. We could probably make at least a decent list of weird things that have happened in the sport that you could argue were not so much fixing, but shady moments. And of course, Abu Dhabi definitely ranks on top of it. But I was thinking like, how much did like, you know, this season was supposed to be one that, you know, we said without um, Michael Massey that there was going to be a little more stability, a little more control of decision-making. And to me, I just, I feel like as much as, We tried to make changes in Formula 1 this year. The changes, really, there was still a lot of controversy this year. Uh, Even, like, crowning Max Champion took a little while to figure out. It was just still the inconsistency. So, yeah, there is – I don't know if I was just thinking about it because of all the VAR with, you know, FIFA now and watching the World Cup. And, I don't know, somehow I was just thinking about officiating in sports, a track mark, like the whole, you know – review of everything, the race directors, race control, and we can do better, I think, as as a sport. You know, if you look at all the technology that soccer's using now, and even when it comes to something like, we can't even agree on track limits. How are we supposed to agree on so many other things that go on in the sport? And there just needs to be more consistency. I want to see that next year. I'm just tired of not seeing consistent rulings I don't know it's just just give me some consistency with officiating but yeah I mean Abu Dhabi still a year later it's still like in the moment again I thought in the moment it was a, it's a, such a shame because if only that moment happened organically you know let's say Nick Latifi had the safety car or everything went by procedure Ferrari makes a strategy miss Cole and it puts Max on fresher tires. If that happened organically, we're talking a whole different narrative. And, you know, just really reflecting on it, it, it just leaves you with, like, it was so weird. And a year later, I think the wounds are starting to heal. a Little people still don't forget about it, though. I mean, and obviously so. And I, I think if you're, you know, Mercedes, you do still feel like it was robbed from you and... We've seen that sentiment. Lewis has mentioned it before. You know, that sentiment is definitely still there. But again, I think for the sport, for the teams, we definitely need to move forward. We need to move forward and, and make the sport better, more consistent, and really learn from Abu Dhabi, not not really dwell on it too much. But it, it was an unfortunate moment. I think it's, it's one of the dark spots on the sport still and it leaves a stain in the sport leaves kind of this weird feeling in some people's minds and I I don't blame them I if I was a Mercedes fan if even if I wasn't a Mercedes fan and and I'm not really a big Mercedes I love the Mercedes team in terms of how they operate what they do I think they're undoubtedly one of the greatest teams to ever exist in Formula One Uh, but I mean I'm not like a Mercedes fanboy or anything I'm not a Red Bull fanboy but just thinking back, like, that team had the organization there. They had, they had fought through that season, much like, it was kind of funny because Mercedes, kind of like this year, had a fight through to get to where they were in 2021. Obviously, 2022 to not the same extent, but they had a fight to get there. And, and, it, and they had a dominant car in the end of that season, and Lewis should have been locked into an eighth championship, and he wasn't. Due to what was a huge, but I think also genuine, human error. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if things get better in 2023. And it was interesting because Total Wolf, I think I was reading something, expects the field to be a lot closer. So, that'll be interesting. I wonder, like, what teams are going to be more competitive next year. Like... I think there were a lot of disappointing teams, like McLaren disappointed Aston Martin. I hope Aston Martin gets their shit together next year because could you imagine if Fernando is on the same quality of Aston Martin that we've seen the last two years? Like, Fernando would not survive the whole season, I think, if that was that, that I think he would ditch. It would be so toxic. I really hope for the sake of all those involved in Aston Martin. And listen, I love Fernando, but you know Fernando's not going to put up what a terrible team. So I really hope Aston Martin gets their shit together for next year. Because if not, it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. And people will be getting fired. I, I'm telling you, I'm I, that's a team that's got to improve next year. McLaren too. And it was funny because I was watching the WTF1 rate driver pairings. And it, it actually did get me thinking. Well, first of all, I know say what you want about the Pierre Gasly-Esteban Ocon thing. I feel like the drama around that relationship is overhyped. I don't think we've seen any evidence, really, that... I'm trying... Well, you know, Esteban is not the nicest of teammates. We've seen that. Even with Fernando, it seemed like they had this nice, like, father-son-mentor-mentee relationship. And then, obviously, that quickly went sour the last several races. Um... But, I, I don't know, I think for the sake of the team, I mean, is it going to be as toxic as we think? Like, Alpine can't have teammates fighting each other again like they did this year. Oh, my God. But, I mean, if you look at Esteban's track record, he hasn't really had the best relationships with his teammates. So, maybe it's not overhyped. It was interesting. They were talking about McLaren, though, with Oscar Piastri and leonor Norris. If Oscar Piastri is as good as we think. I wonder how Lando's going to respond to that pressure. Like Lando's never really been. I mean, I guess you could say with Carlos Sainz, he was kind of the number two, right? When him and Carlos were on the same team, but were they, were they, was like, they were kind of almost equals and Lando was already having the hype. I don't think Lando's ever been in a position where he's been the quote unquote lead driver veteran that's under pressure and, I wonder how that dynamic's going to turn out. Like, what happens if Oscar Piastri starts? Like, is it going to be starts, you know, outperforming Lando? If he does, what is that dynamic going to be like? And uh it's just interesting to think about. One of those things, it's like, will they get along? Will they not? But, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic to play out. I think that, you know, um... We going to see how it goes we'll have to see how it goes what happens things like that with those teammate relationships but yeah i think i'm really hoping williams improves but now like these teams like what teams are going to regress you think red bull with the the air tunnel time they could possibly regress i think Mercedes is going to be stronger I'm, I'm just interested to see i want to see what what's going to happen with haas nico holkenberg being back there's a, there's a lot of question marks, I feel like, going into 2023. A lot of teams that flat out underperformed last year. We have a lot of new drivers coming in. We have Logan Sargent, Oscar Piastri. That's kind of cool. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, I guess he kind of counts as a rookie coming back, right? Nick DeVries getting a chance at AlphaTauri. So there's – oh, that reminds me too. Yuki Sanuda. Sanuda? Sanoda. uh Talking about – there was something about how there would be no lead driver. And Yuki's like, well, whoever finishes better. Is gonna be the lead driver. Well, Yuki, you better, you better put yourself. Uh, I messed that up. Yuki, you better put yourself into gear because if you ain't performing well, that's gonna be a horrible season. You better. uh poor Yuki, man. I hope he has a good season. But <laughs> I know he's been working out, getting jacked. He doesn't have Pierre anymore though, and Alpha Tauri really needs to do better because they had a horrendous season last year. And I read somewhere too that Pierre Gasly believes uh, Alpine, that um, Alpha Tari will be a better team. Oh, also, did you see this? This this was interesting. Speaking of uh, competition and changes, I saw Ross Braun's idea. Did you guys see this? That to make things more competitive, to make overtaking more possible, there was like this reverse DRS idea. I don't understand it. Uh, apparently it was something where I was trying to read about it. It was basically like the lead car in some ways would be hampered. It had to do with like lessening downforce and turns, maybe something like that. There were all these different DRS alternatives, I guess, which there was DRS this year was really overpowering. I mean, listen, we don't want to see DRS overtakes too much. And I don't get why formula one just won't implement something like what we see in IndyCar, a push the pass. Yeah, it's a little gimmicky, but I think that is cooler. I think it's more unique. It's It gives you more of a, um, a strategical viewpoint of when to pass, things like that. And I think it works well in IndyCar. I think the problem with DRS is you get – the big problem with me with DRS is the DRS train because then you get stuck in this loop where nobody – it's kind of reversing the whole – intention of drs when you're when you're stuck in a drs train because nobody passes because everybody has drs and that really results in these procedural races so i get russ braun trying to think out of the box i don't know if i like the idea of the lead car being hampered intentionally though that to me doesn't sound justifiable to me if you're the lead car and you're pulling away you, uh, the formula 1 history has been a story of cars pulling away there there have been races won by 20 seconds 30 seconds like there have been races won by incredible margins before it's not that big of a deal to me like that's part of the racing Experience. You know what? Make your car better. Make And I get it. Like We don't want to see that from a spectator entertainment point of view. But don't hamper the hard work of people who made a fast car. I like the other ideas. The budget cap ideas. The wind tunnel reduction ideas. I think that all helps in lessening the advantages of budgets. And teams with unlimited resources. I don't like the idea of hampering a car that's leading. If you want to hamper, if you want to boost the car behind like a DRS type of system, a push to pass kind of system, I'm all right with that. But don't hamper the car that's in front. To me, that's not racing. That's that's very gimmicky to me. And, and I'm not a fan of that. But yeah, that's my little off season rant. I did see there was something else I was going to talk about. I'm sure I'll think about it next week. It was kind of cool, though. I, I want to end on some positive notes instead of me ranting about DRS. I was looking at Instagram just before. You got to give props. Say what you want. Like, I know he has his critics, but man, Lewis Hamilton, sometimes you just see him post something and, you know, I know people don't like when he gets political, but it was really cool where he made this post about Lewis Hamilton and his brother, Nick Hamilton, who I don't know if you know, Nicholas Hamilton um, is disabled, right? I believe I forgot what he has exact. I think it's, um, I want to say it's, what, what is it? It's, um, oh my God, this is going to drive me nuts. Um, but Nicholas, ah, he does have cerebral palsy, right? So of course, you know, sitting in, even just to sit in an F1 race seat is very difficult, but it was pretty interesting today to see how Lewis Hamilton got Mercedes to basically um, get him to go into the sim at Mercedes, fit him in the seat. And, dude, it was it's so epic for, you know, just a sweet brother moment to give him that opportunity. I, I just, I don't know, it was something that was beautiful to see on the timeline today. I saw that and I was like, man, Lewis, Lewis just sometimes... And again, say what you want. I know he has his critics. I know not everybody likes him. But let's let's get real. The only reason why people hate Lewis Hamilton is because he's a great driver. Michael Schumacher had his haters. Arton Senna, Arton Senna, Arton Senna. I'm so bad at pronouncing names today. Senna had his haters, right? Because they were good. If you're good, you're hated. If you're bad, you're you know. If you're the underdog, people want to see you win. That's what I'm saying. Max Verstappen now has his haters. You know, it's gonna happen. It's bound. But Lewis, man. Sometimes he's just one of the most genuine people you'll see. And it was just something cool to see on the timeline today. Really, really props to Lewis for doing that, man. Like, I don't know, cheered me up. Really, it was cool to see. Cheered me up on a cold Monday out here in New York. <laughs> but anyway, guys, that's my little random off-season bits for this week. I'll get back to you next week with some more off-season bits. I wonder what news could happen. Maybe we'll get a higher, maybe we'll get an announcement of Fred Master to Ferrari, that will be, we'll all be so surprised, we're still waiting on, uh, now we got to wait to see who Williams replaces, we're still waiting to see if the rumor is true, and Mick Schumacher will be a reserve driver for Mercedes, so, still a lot to go, the holidays are near, World Cup is almost coming to an end, we'll see who wins, a lot of games this week, so, keep enjoying this week without Formula 1, try to get your fix any way possible. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening and I'll catch up to you soon.